idea from getting to know you and Andrew in that conference that we were together in, that there was something that was happening here. But I really didn't see the breadth of what God was doing right here in Sheridan, Iowa. I've been blessed by seeing a church that not only uh, gives, because some people just discharge their missionary obligation with a checkbook. No, you're doing it right here and locally in town. You're doing it around the state. You're doing it. Your lives are uh, led by the living Lord Jesus as He does missions through you. That's what a Christian is. He does missions through you. Missions isn't optional. Missions comes from the heart of God. And if you look at uh, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, we'll see today a little bit of an evidence of Jesus' love for sinners. Now, it seems, it seems contradictory, you know. Here people are doing the wrong things. Uh, they're living a life that is, is a shame. They're damaging their own life. They're damaging their family's life. They're sinners. Why would God love people like that? Well... It's just the name of this church. It's just about grace, isn't it? He just That's why I love the name of the church. It's grace. He just loves everybody. Now, I've been a physician for many years now, going on 40 years. Uh, more than 40 now. And uh, I hang around sick people. Isn't that what you'd expect? I hang around sick people, people coughing in my face, uh, people breathing germs, uh, all sorts of things. Jesus hung out with sinners. Now, the challenge of, to, of today's message is, how many sinner friends do you have? Have you befriended Sinners. Now that's a dangerous that's a dangerous thing. That's a dangerous thing. If you are not fully aware that the Lord lives in your heart and that you're going to let him live through you, then you might want to back off from this. Because Satan can take you down their track. So be very careful. But Jesus loves sinners, and He wants you to love sinners. I told you about me being the uh, uh, pastor of the drunks in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. I was pastor of Central Baptist Church. We were located in the market area, and that's the worst part of town in Latin America. And the burned-out alcoholics that were dying were there, and they would haul... Uh, uh, Packages for people for a little tip, and as soon as they could get a quarter, they'd go and buy straight alcohol. Straight alcohol. They were dying of their alcoholism. They buried, we'd bury one every, about every week. We had a little alcoholic rehabilitation unit in the church. We put some bunks in a, in a, in a unused room that we had there and had these guys in a rehabilitation, met with them and, uh, evangelized them. And, uh, some would come and go. Some would come and go. 
and we'd drive into uh, the market Sunday morning, and there'd be somebody out there, and they didn't have a, a package right then. They'd say, Adios, pastor! <laughs> I was the pastor. Hey, pastor! <laughs> wow! Are you a friend of sinners? Are you a friend of sinners? Can you take that reeking of alcohol in your face? Jesus loved sinners. He still loves sinners. He wants to love sinners through you. That's the only way they'll hear, folks. They're not going to come to church. We've got to go. They're not going to come to church. And so turn with me to Luke 15. Let's see what happens there. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, to hear him. They drew near. Now, the tax collectors were collecting tax for a foreign government. They were collecting tax for the Roman government. Now, there wasn't any lower scum in Jewish society at that time than a tax collector. He was a traitor. And, of course, he was doing uh, good business because he got his cut off the top. Jesus called one of them, Matthew, known as Levi, to be a, an apostle, a tax collector. Jesus called him. And so we see tax collectors, the most uh, despicable people around, tax collectors. We uh, see him going for, through Samaria. In John's Gospel, why would he go through Samaria? Everybody that was decent would cross the river and go up through the Decapolis and back into Galilee if they had to go to Galilee. Jesus went right through Samaria. Then he talked to a woman that was messed up. Messed up. Jesus loves sinners. How much do you? How much do you? Do you dedicate a portion of each week to reaching out to people whose lives are a mess. Not just to preach to them, to love them. Talk with them. Help them. Guide them. They'll eventually come around how we need it. But now, look at the religious people in verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. Now, the Pharisees were the most dedicated of all the people. They were religious officers. They dressed in special dress. They were very much aware of, of, of the contamination of sin. They were holier than thou. They would walk around with folded hands. And if a sinner was coming down the sidewalk, they would step aside, maybe even cross the street. They didn't want him to brush against them and contaminate them. Now, we have some Christians that at times are, what I said, so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. Holier than thou. You get your halo on too tight, I told you, it'll give you a migraine. You need to stay away from that. Yeah. The uh, Pharisees, they were gung-ho. Now, the scribes, you see, we didn't have printing presses back there. And the scribes hand-wrote Bible. They knew right down the middle of the page what letter ought to be there. 
they could tell you jack and tittle, every single letter all the way down there on every page of Scripture. They had it memorized. And at times, I already told you about the uh, ag agent. You already know more Bible than what you're doing. It's not that you need to learn more Bible. It's that we need to be living the Bible that we know. We need to be demonstrating it. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people, criticized Jesus. Oh, I'm thankful that Grace Baptist Church doesn't have those kind of people. You're willing to get out there and mix it up with sinners like Jesus did. He did that. He did that. So, says verse 3, he spoke this parable to them. Now, Jesus is going to teach them. He's going to teach them why he is a friend of sinners. And he starts out with very uh, normal things. Look at what he says here. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, uh, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep which was lost. Party time! Party time! We need a little bit more party time in church. When a sinner comes to Christ, he says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over a sinner who repents than one, uh, than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Oh, you want to make God happy, love sinners, bring them to Christ, let them be, be found. That's in Uruguay. That's in Scotland, laddie. I think you ought to... Uh, uh, take that trio to Scotland. Didn't that have a Scottish sound to it? Wasn't that something? You guys need a mission trip to go and play that in Scotland with Brother Ben. Yes, that'll be a wonderful thing. That'll be a wonderful thing. Jesus loves sinners. And then he taught him another one. Do you see that there's three parables back to back to get at these guys, the religious bunch that was critical of Jesus loving sinners. Now, it's easy for us. I had the same thing. When I was uh, converted, I needed a sheltered environment. Bible school for me was good because there was no smoking on campus, no drinking, none of this sinful behavior. I needed that. I needed to see if I could survive without it. <laughs> and so, uh, anybody that would suggest that we wanted to uh, liberalize that, or I was, I was, I was pretty good Pharisee for a while. I was a pretty good Pharisee. One of the guys that wouldn't be living up to that, I'd be pointing my finger at him. Uh, that may be a phase that we go through in our Christian life. But I soon needed to learn how to get over that. I got a part-time job in a Mexican restaurant, uh, cooking in the kitchen with some guys that weren't very nice. And I found out that that was an opportunity for me to talk to them about Christ and that they would listen. And I had a mission field right there. 
I was a mission volunteer and I needed a mission field. And right there it was. So, if you have had an attitude anywhere similar to this, let Jesus change your heart this morning. Let Him give you a love, His love for sinners. Let that love flow, flow through you. The second parable He teaches, Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together. Rejoice with me. Party time once again. Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Yeah. You notice the same uh, outline? Something precious was lost. Precious souls. What's the worth of a soul? Oh, we're doing mission pledges. What's the worth of a proud Uruguayan? A proud Uruguayan who's trusting in his education. Uh, who's trusting in... Uh, they drink a fair amount of wine down in Uruguay, don't they? A lot of people take pride in their vineyards, don't they? Yeah. Trusting in that for his uh, good health. He Good health with his glass of wine. Trusting in those things. What's the worth of that man's soul? How do you measure that in a checkbook? Well, you can't. But we can send the Duarte family to live in their presence and demonstrate the beauty of Christ as it exudes through them. They can demonstrate that. Something precious is lost. Part of the outline. There is an intense search to find it. How intensely are we searching right here in Sheraton? How intensely are we searching? Yes, we're searching in Uruguay, and we're searching in Scotland, and we're searching in, in, in other places that you have the flags and the list of missionaries there. There's an intense search. The utilization of resources to search. Light the candle. Sweep the room. Human resources, get out there on the mountainside and get that sheep. We had people here last uh, uh, night before last that were cattlemen. They're out in the snowbanks in the uh, winter time to get that calf. They're not going to let that calf freeze. An intense search. And then a party. Now, Pastor talked already about us being a happy people. We need more party time, folks. More party time. Every time a sinner comes to Christ, there ought to be a party. A party. And that's what happened each time here. And he's talking about the party in heaven. The angels rejoice. We think of angels as, as solemn creatures. Look at that. In the presence of angels, there's more joy uh, in the angels of God over one sinner that repents. And now comes the censure. 
the lost person. Has he been talking about people? Sure he has. He used the coin. He used the sheep. But he says when a sinner turns to, to God, there's rejoicing in heaven. He's talking about people. He wants us to be doing that on a regular basis. Now, the lost are not only here in Sheraton where you are. Many of you need to do this intense search, not just to back up these guys and their family in Scotland and Uruguay. You need to go there. You need to go there. There needs to be some mission trips. Some people that would go. And uh, you don't need to know the language. Now, in Scotland, you might have a little bit of a problem understanding it, but uh, uh, in Uruguay, you're going to be pretty lost unless you know Spanish. And uh doesn't require the language. You can pray. You can pray. What a joy it is to prayer walk where a missionary is going to go. Go around and, and, and change the, in the neighborhood by a prayer walk. Then let the missionary go in there and talk to people. Let the uh, local church in that country that knows those folks go there after you've prayed for the neighborhood. You might even try some prayer walks right here in Sheraton. Go pray over a neighborhood. And then go knock on doors. You'll see a difference. You'll see a difference. Well, he moves on very personally now about people in verse 11. And then he said a certain man had two sons. Now, notice he had two sons. And the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them. His livelihood, the man had worked all his life, and he divided it up. Two-thirds went to the oldest son, and one-third went to the younger son. And the older son had a unique obligation. The older son was supposed to keep the family together. That was part of what he, his responsibility was. And let's see how he discharges that responsibility. Let's see what happens here. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with, uh, with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. What a job for a Jew to be a pig farmer, a helper on a pig farm. That was terrible humiliation for him. Went to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods uh, that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough uh, and, to, and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now, that's the, that's the realization that uh, we need about sin. Sin is against heaven. Now, it is against people as well. I have sinned against heaven and against you. Sin's consequences are more in heaven than here. Now, they're horrible here. They're horrible here. Can you imagine the horror in heaven over sin? I have sinned. He, uh, the light shined, the Holy Spirit illuminated him. 
I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. How did his father see him? God always is waiting for that sinner to come home. Standing on his tippy toes, looking on the horizon. No, that's not him. The walk is not there. I can't see his face, but I could tell by his walk. That's not him. The Father is looking for the sinners to come home. Oh, he's anxious. He's anxious for sinners to come home. And the Father saw him and he had compassion. Notice the attitude towards the sinner. He had compassion. Now, I wish I had time to explain to you what compassion was. Compassion is more than feeling sorry for someone. Compassion, we actually have special nerves in our body that go to our solar plexus is where you feel compassion in your solar plexus. It hit him in the guts. He had compassion for him. Oh, the needs that sinners have and the need of compassion. Never judgmental. Compassion for the sinners. And he had compassion on him. And what did he do? And he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. The sinner is welcomed. Welcomed. What did he smell like? Like a pig pen, didn't he? And his father kissed him. Are you able to shake hands and hug a drunk man? Joyce told you a few stories. You probably didn't tell him about Rufino. Rufino is a guy that drunk as could be. I went to in the bar to haul him out, take him home. Had another man, drunk as could be, came to our house. His wife kicked him out. She had reason to kick him out. Came to our house, didn't have his shoes on. In Honduras, if you get too drunk, the thieves steal your shoes. That's a sign you've been too drunk. Come on in. Come on in. Do you open the door to sinners? Do you open the door to sinners? Our last trip to Honduras was to marry this man's, uh, perform the wedding for this man's uh, uh, daughter. The last one. I married the oldest daughter, and the next one, and now the third one. Oh, do you have compassion for sinners? Do you have compassion for sinners? And the son said to him, he was true to what he had planned, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Remember the scope of sin there. Sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his, on his, on his hand and sandals on his feet. 
and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Party time once again. Same outline. Same outline. Jesus is teaching the Pharisees and the scribes how to be Christians, how to demonstrate God's love, not just religiosity. Not just being religious, but how to demonstrate God's love. Now, same outline. Uh, we're dealing here with repentance as the added component. That's because we're dealing directly with people. So repentance is, is, is in this. But you know what? The story is not over. You know, you've heard the radio commentary now for the rest of the story. The punchline always comes at the end, doesn't it? So Jesus goes on. And he talks about what else happened. Now his older son, his older son, was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house, and he heard the music and the dancing. And so he called one of the servants, and he asked, what are these? What are this? What do these things mean? And he said to him, Your brother, notice that now, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father's killed a fatted calf. What was his reaction? Anger. Anger. But he was angry and would not go in. My, my, my. Look at the older son. Study the character of the older son so that you never go his way. He's the negative part of the example here. Never go his way. He was angry. He was angry. Grace angers people. Grace angers people. Jesus told the same thing with the salary he had. Some people worked all day. They got a day's wages. Some came at midday. They got the same day's wages. And some came at the last hour and he paid them a full day's wages. And he said, why? That's grace. He said, you got... They said, no, we ought to get more. We worked all day. Not based on what you, what you did. You came. And so salvation is the same gift to each one of us. The same gift. Whether it's the last breath you take, or whether it's you were saved like Joyce, baptized in a creek as a little girl, a deacon's daughter. And however that happens in your life, heaven's door is wide open for all sinners. And so, he was angry. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Notice the father. No difference with the younger son or the older son. My son's not acting like he should, like a son. My son has distanced himself from me. The father goes out, doesn't he? Now, that's our example. That's our example. Go out for the sinner. Go out for the sinner. The older son is just as much a sinner. Both sons are sinners. Go out for the sinner. 
Go out. Call him in. Call him in. And so he answered and said to his, to his, to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandments at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. I served you. Which one was the hired hand? The younger son or the older son? The older son owned the place. And he was acting like a hireling. Oh, there are people like the scribes, like the Pharisees, that are good church people. Some may never have been saved and had their hearts changed. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. The older son served out of obligation. Dutiful. He served. He acted like a hireling. The father's grace to his, to his brother made him angry. Instead of him keeping the younger brother at home or going after him, he was angry. And so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you and never transgressed your commandments. He was very, very faithful. Very faithful. Verse 30. But as soon as this son of yours... Now notice, the father called him his brother. The servant said, Your brother's come home. Not the older brother. This son of yours. You can hear the bitterness in his voice. The lack of the presence of Jesus. Pastor said, Hey, there's a smile on our face and a bounce in our step. We have Jesus. We know where we're going. Salvation is ours through grace. We didn't earn it. He gave it to us. This son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots and killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. That fatted calf was yours. It's all yours. We divided it up, don't you remember? I don't own the place anymore. It's all yours. You're not a hireling. Then he says it was right that we should make merry and be glad. It was appropriate. It was necessary that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother, the father comes back and tells him, your brother was dead and is alive again, lost. And is, in, and is found. Now look at some of the difficulties with these sons. Both the older, uh, both were sons, but the older couldn't understand grace. Just like the scribes and the Pharisees, his religion was based on works. He had worked. He had obeyed, obeyed all the commandments. There wasn't any grace. Both sons rejected the father, but only the younger repented. Both sons rejected the father. The father went out to the older, and he said, Come in, son, come in. 
No. He was angry and bitter. The older brother was dutiful, acting like a hireling. The father's grace made him angry. He is unforgiving, judgmental, and selfish. Those are some of the sins that uh, uh, we don't like to list. You know, we like to list uh, don't drink, smoke, and chew. Uh, We like the external ones. But the attitude of judgmentalism, uh, that's a sin that we don't like to list because it gets too close to home. Uh, Unforgiving. I'll forgive, but I'm not going to forget. What does God do with our sins? They're cast into the ocean. And I know it's hard to forgive. I've been hurt. You've been hurt. It is very difficult to forgive. But if your sins have been forgiven by God, who is totally holy, how can you, a sinner, not forgive another sinner? The unforgiving spirit that pervades in our life is a deep sin. It brings on this judgmentalism, selfishness. Thank God that Grace Baptist Church is not a selfish church. I've heard some churches say, you know, we've got expenses here at home. We can't afford that. Pastor, I don't know if we ought to have a missions conference this year. You're going to get around to a faith promise. And I don't know if we can do that. We've got, uh, times are tough. Now, all of that's true. Times are tough. Times are tough. But do you realize that we serve the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills? And the psalmist said, He was young and grew old and never had seen a just man without sufficient bread. The pastor's been challenged. Who who of all the people in the church would want more money here if he were looking out for his selfish interests than the pastor? I mean, you don't benefit that much from the money that's kept here. He could. And he's the one pushing you and say, let's give. Thank God for the leadership you have. Thank God for the leadership you have. Telling you, I learned a long time ago that if I take care of God's business, He'll take care of mine. Now that's leadership by example. You need to talk to Him. If you haven't got to that stage of your faith where God is the God of your checkbook and your your home and everything else, you need to talk to Him and say, Pastor, you know, I just haven't gotten there yet. How did you do it? He'll pray with you. He's been down that road. It didn't come just uh, from Bible school. They can't teach you that in Bible school. You have to live that. You have to live it. And so talk to him. The older brother, the Pharisees, 
judgmental and selfish. He has a religion, but not a relation. They were very religious people, but no relationship. The older son is still outside. He won't come in. He won't participate. He's still outside. He doesn't have the relationship, nor with his brother, nor with his father. He won't. He says that he's kept all his father's commandments, and his father's saying, "Come in, son." He's saying, "No." Has he kept all the commandments? No. No. Selfish. Selfish. Religion, but not a relationship. He rejects the Father's invitation. Everything was given to him, but he never received it. Oh, we possess so many blessings in Christ. Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Let us love the lost like He does. Never be judgmental and unforgiving. Praise grace and share it with the lost is what we need to do. We need to praise grace. Share that grace with the lost. And right here this morning, some of you don't realize the wonder of grace. Oh, what a tragedy it is. My son says something that's profound. A Christian should be the last one to hide anything. He meets with some guys on a weekly basis for an accountability time. And I have one of the guys that, one of his guys that I'm discipling, uh, who just last week moved back home after a year out of his home for his own conduct, doing the wrong stuff. And we talked about it. And he got to move back home just last week. Uh, This forgiveness stuff, it needs to go on throughout our Christian life. It's not just a glorious beginning, but it's a continual experience. And some of you here this morning are dealing with that. And you're wondering about forgiveness, what you can do. Let me tell you. My son says the last thing a Christian should do is to hide his sin. Aren't we good at that? We sort of dress up on Sunday, don't we? Sunday go to church time. And we might even have had a fight with the whole family to try to get them here. That happens more often than not. Can't you get ready? We're not going to make it on time. And everybody's all upset coming to church. Forgiveness is needy, isn't it? And you know, a tie and a coat won't hide the sin from God, will it? That's why my son says the last thing a Christian should do is to hide his sin. Might as well confess it. God already knows about it. He already knows about it. He loves you anyway, doesn't he? He wants to be able to love you enough where you can get over it. Where your heart will be so filled with His love that you won't even want that sin anymore. So there's opportunity here today for that. For Christians to find forgiveness, to find the love of God in their life.
Now, Jesus' love for sinners. You may have never accepted Christ. You may have thought that you weren't good enough. Well, let me tell you, you're still not good enough. Neither am I. Neither am I. But the Father is scanning the horizon right now. He's scanning this group. He's scanning the world. Looking for somebody that will say, I'll arise and go to my Father and tell Him I've sinned against heaven and against you. Make me like a hireling. He's got the ring waiting and the robe waiting. He loves sinners. He wants sinners to come and be His children. He loves sinners. If you've never accepted Christ, He wants to put a ring on your finger, sandals and shoes on your feet. He wants you to have His love, to rejoice in that, to have a party. And if you may have been fallen into judgmentalism, and it's so easy to do, I've done that. I wish I could tell you I'd never have. But I've done that. And when it goes bad for someone that's left the church over whatever cause, and we knew it would go bad for him, have I said, yep, I knew your sins would find you out? Or have I been sad and wept with him? What's been my attitude towards sinners? May the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the love of God that loves us, fall upon us to hear today. May we be broken. Our hearts be broken for sinners. For nations that sin. These guys are praying for for countries where sin is happening and people are accepting it as a way of life. And unfortunately, that's more and more common right here in America. The heart of God is broken. And you and I grow up and see sin happening and it doesn't scandalize us anymore. Oh, how we need to be active, church, in reaching out. Reaching out to sinners. Bow your heads with me. Talk to God about it. Talk to Him about what attitude He wants you to have. And begin to pray for one another right here today. That we would pray for one another. That we could find grace. God's grace. That we could find the grace to love sinners. Bless us here, Heavenly Father. Bless us. Enable us to do your work. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, and you're wondering today whether God wants you to be His Son, try Him and ask Him right now. And receive the presence 
of the Holy Spirit into your life that will cause you to be born again right now. If you say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm not worthy, He will come with the kiss of love, the shoes on your feet, the ring on your finger, the robe on your back, and make you one of His prized possessions. If you want to do that today, you want me to pray for you, you raise your hand and I'll pray for you here today. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Come to Jesus. The father comes out and talks to the older son. He's waiting for the younger son. It doesn't matter which one you are. He wants you in his heavenly party. It's going to be party time in heaven. We're going to have a wonderful time in rejoicing. Anyone else? Anyone else saying, yes, I don't want to miss the party. I don't want to miss the party. I want to be there. Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. I don't want to miss the party. I want to be there. I want to be there. Father, I thank you for these that have raised their hand, and I pray a special blessing. Oh, Lord, I can nearly hear the angels. They're dancing with joy before you. Your heart is glad because people have come to you and said, Lord, I want to be there. I want to be in that party. Then, church members, you have tested your love for sinners. Now, I don't doubt that you have some. But I'm talking about real sinners. I'm talking about people that society has just about written off. Will you let the Father take you to them and just love them? You don't have to love what they do. God doesn't love what they do. Sin killed His Son. He hates sin, but He loves sinners. Have you been short on that? Do you need prayer today and say, Lord, give me your love for the lost. That I can be motivated that this church be a lighthouse for the lost. That this church be a mission compound that sends out missionaries to the lost. Lord, bless me this morning. Increase my love for the lost. Do you want to raise your hand and we'll pray for you? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, yes. Increase my love for the lost. Yes. Lord, I need your love to love them. Lord, people have done bad things to me and I still need to forgive them and love them. Help me, Lord. You raise your hand. Help me, Lord, to overcome the bad things that Satan has done. Those sinners need my love. They need love that comes from you through me to them. Anyone else? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, Lord, we just praise You for the forgiveness. We don't know how You can do it. It's not that You just brush it away, but You take the sin.